This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Derek Armstrong and Word of Grace Community Church. For more information, please visit wogcc.com. If you're taking notes this morning, the title of my message is Righteous Relationships. I know that sounds something like you would hear Zach say to Slater at the Max and Saved by the Bell, Uh, but that's not what we're talking about this morning. We're going to talk about being a light in the darkness because here's the thing. Our relationship should bring glory to God. Amen? It doesn't matter if it's your marriage relationship, it's if, if it's a friendship, if it is a relationship with your children, with your boss, doesn't matter what it is, with your mother or father, our relationships should show forth the goodness of God and should be a light in the darkness because the way we interact with one another is a testimony to the world. It's a way that we shine the light to the world because the world doesn't check up or notice when everything is handled the way that darkness handles things. It's when the light comes through the darkness that people start scratching their heads and going, wait a minute, this isn't what I'm used to. This isn't what has become my sense of normal. This is something out of the ordinary. And that's what the light is supposed to do. It's supposed to pierce through the darkness and show that there's a better way to do things. To show that the same way that we go about dealing with things as believers should be the way that we can show forth the love and the truth, the forgiveness and reconciliation of Christ. Amen? Amen. If you have your Bible, go ahead and go to Galatians chapter 5. If you were with us during the teaching that we did on the book of Galatians, we went through the entire book of Galatians verse by verse and uh, did quite a few weeks of a series on that. And so if you were here for that, you'll have a basic understanding of kind of the things that were happening in the area of Galatia. And so you'll be able to better contextualize what I'm about to read. But if you weren't, I would encourage you to go back online and listen to some of those teachings through the book of Galatians. It'll help you grow in your walk with Christ and your understanding of the Word of God. Because we always want to look at the Bible in context. Amen? Amen. We just don't want to just pick a scripture here and there. We want to read it in context. So as we're talking about relationships here, let's look at what the Apostle Paul said because he's dealing with how we interact with one another because he was instructing the group of the people who lived in the area of Galatia how they should be interacting with one another, with believers and unbelievers. And he was trying to help them to walk in unity and peace. So here, let's pick up in Galatians chapter 5 and verse 16. I'm going to read it out of the English Standard. I really like the way that it words it here. It helps us understand it a little bit more. Verse 16 says, But I say, walk by the Spirit. And you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. These things are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you're led by the spirit, you're not under the law. Now the works of the flesh, they're evident. We should be able to pick these things out. This is what the works of the flesh are. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I've warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control against things. There is no such law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and its desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited 
provoking one another or envying one another. Here the Apostle Paul is trying to help us understand how we should interact with one another, how we should be preferring one another, not provoking one another, not becoming conceited, because when we're conceited, what happens? We think that we're right, we think we're the best, we think we're the answer, we think we have it all figured out, we're the smartest person in the room, and everyone else just needs to catch up. And we think that it's all about our way of thinking, and so we hope everyone else can just think like us. And when they don't think like us, then we get angry with them or we get frustrated with them. That we begin to envy one another. We begin to be jealous towards one another and want what the other has. And and we begin to covet those things when we focus on ourselves. But here the Apostle Paul says that's stuff that people who follow after their flesh do. Those who follow after the Spirit, there should be a different set of results coming out of their lives. Notice the Apostle Paul did not say that this is a checklist of things that you need to see. How good am I trying hard to produce these things in my life? Am I good at this one? I'm pretty good at this one. Maybe not so much at this one. He didn't say this was a checklist to try to work harder to do better. He said it's fruit. Fruit is a result of something that was planted. Amen? So whatever was planted in your life, fruit is a natural result. The tree doesn't say, oh, I'm going to try really hard to make some apples today. Apples, come on, let's go, apples. Apples, 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 let's go. No tree is trying to produce apples in its own strength. It is a natural result of that tree, of the life flowing through it, of it having the right nutrients, of it having the right amount of water and sunlight. Those things happen naturally. And here's the thing about the fruit. The fruit is not for the tree. You see, others benefit from the fruit of the Spirit that's produced in my life. It's the Spirit of God that's dwelling in me. The tree doesn't go, oh, this is a good apple, I'll take a bite. The the, the fruit is not for the tree. The fruit is for others' benefit. And the fruit of the Spirit of God living on the inside of me that should be produced in my life is going to be for the benefit of loving other people, showing them the goodness of God, and being a light in the darkness. Amen? You see, it's not all about me. It's all about Him and His glory shining through me. We are vessels of His glory. That's why with every breath that we have been given, if our life is submitted to the Spirit of God and we're not walking after the flesh, then other people are going to be able to benefit from God in me. Other people are going to be able to benefit from God working on the inside of me. Because guess what? If we walk in the darkness, no one is benefiting from one another. Everybody's out for themselves. It's all about what can I get, what can I accumulate, how can I use you to try to get what I want. You see, people who follow after the Spirit of God have a different kind of fruit that they're producing. It's not conceited, it's not envious, it's not self-serving, no, it's serving others. The fruit of the Spirit of God living on the inside of me is for other people. And guess what it does? There's seeds in that fruit. And then other trees began to be planted. More life begins to spring up because of that fruit. People are nourished because of that fruit. It's the, the love of God and the truth of God at work in my heart, in my life, and it begins to benefit others as a light in the darkness. Now, you remember a few weeks ago I taught how we are made up of three parts. 
like the Bible said in Thessalonians in the fifth chapter and 23rd verse, he said that may the God of peace sanctify you, holy spirit, soul, and body. We know that God's spirit dwells within us. That's the part that gets made new when we come to Christ. He puts his life, his nature on the inside of us, his spirit. And then we're also made up of a soul. The Bible says, may the God of peace sanctify you, holy spirit, soul, and the spirit and soul are contained in this body, right? Now that soul is made up of three different parts. We talked about this a few weeks ago. Our mind, our will, and our emotions. So the way I think about things, the way I feel towards things, and the things I desire to do is a part of that soulish realm. That's why in the book of Hebrews, uh, the writer says that the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. It divides between the soul and the spirit. It divides. The Word of God will divide between the way I think about things, the way I feel about things, and the things I desire to do. And it will be the defining point, the cutting point to say, this is how you feel, but this is what God says. You have to choose. That's what the Word of God does. It puts a stark division between God's will, God's way of thinking, God's mind, God's desires, and our will and our thinking and our desires. It will separate the two because we can clearly see the difference between our way of thinking, our way of processing, and God's way of thinking. Amen? Amen. The Word of God shines a light on that. So here we can see that we're made up of spirit, soul, and body. And we see that the writer of Thessalonians put that in order so we could see that the spirit should be directly affecting the soul, not the other way around. Because if the spirit of God is influencing my mind, my will, and my emotions then the things I do in my body are going to be a direct result of the Spirit's influence in my life. That's how I walk after the Spirit. You see, when I begin to exalt my mind above the mind of God, when I begin to exalt my desires above the desires of God, when I begin to exalt the things that I want to do in my will and my emotions above the way that God feels about things, guess what? Things are out of order and I'm following after my flesh or my personal desires instead of allowing God to influence my desires. Other people are going to benefit from the Spirit of God being in charge of my life. Amen? I'm going to benefit from me being in charge of my life or so I think. Because oftentimes I think my ways are better than God's ways. That's why people can read something in the Bible or hear something in the Scripture and then they say, oh, well, that's nice, but that's not for me. And they justify and excuse as if somehow you can create your own version of the Scripture that you want to believe and you want to choose and it's just up to each individual to decide which parts of the Bible are for them. Folks, it's either all true or it's all a lie. Oh, I'm sorry, I must have made somebody uncomfortable. I'll say it again then. It's either all true or it's all a lie. I don't want to believe part of this thing. Amen? I'm going to believe all of it. So that means if God says it and it makes me uncomfortable, then guess what? Somebody needs to change. It's not going to be God. I need to submit my mind. I need to submit my will. I need to submit my emotions to the Spirit of God that is living on the inside of me, not the other way around, because God is not going to submit to our way of thinking. God is not going to submit to our reasoning. We can try to reason things away in our mind. And God says, I've already told you as plainly as I can and revealed myself to you. This is how I operate. This is my heart. This is my character. This is my nature. This is who I am. 
And it's either you're going to be in the driver's seat and you're going to think you're smarter than God or you're going to submit and say, no, God, you're smarter than me. Your will is better than my will. Your desires for me are better than my desires for me, even though it may not feel like it at times. You ever been there before? God, I, I, I feel like that, that when I try to follow your word and I submit to your word, man, it feels like things just aren't working out the way I want them to. Well, guess what? I have to trust that what he said is true. Even if I don't see the immediate results of it when I want to see it. That's called faith. It's me believing in what I can't see. It's me trusting that if he said it, that that's going to settle it. And the timing of the event or the timing of the, of, of the prayer being answered or whatever, that's, that's up to him. I can't push him and make him do what I want him to do. All I can do is trust and rest in the fact that he said it. If you said that I needed to confess with my mouth and believe in my heart that Jesus is Lord, and if I do that, that I'm going to be saved and made right with God, then I need to trust that that is what it takes for me to be right in His eyes because we're justified by faith. Amen? And if that's what He said, then I need to trust He said that. Not my way of being saved. Not my way of being righteous in the eyes of God. His way. Not the way I want things to go. My goodness, man. Thank God we don't get things the way we want it. world would be a mess. People who live in the darkness are constantly chasing after their way. But Jesus prayed the perfect prayer. He said, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth. In my life. In your life. As it is where? In heaven. Let your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth. As it is in heaven. You see, God is trying to get us to understand who He is. And if the Spirit is supposed to be directing my life, and the fruit, of that, the fruit of the Spirit of God is supposed to be a light in the darkness, then I need to fill myself up with more of Him. I need to be completely saturated with who He is so it can affect and influence my mind, my will, and my emotions. Therefore, it will influence and affect and change the way I act and the way I react, the way I interact with other people, the way I navigate relationships. You see, God's spirit, His nature is love. The Bible says God is love. Love is not something that He does, it's who He is. Amen? It's His very DNA. And when His nature or when love is influencing my life, it changes the way I think, it changes the things I want to do, it changes my emotions concerning everything in my life, especially relationships. But the fruit of the Spirit of God is only going to benefit my relationship if the Spirit of God is at work in my heart. The only way that this is going to work, the only way that we're going to benefit from this is if He is at work in our heart. We want God to work on other people's hearts. We think that other people need to be hearing this message. There are husbands who probably have sore ribs because their wives are giving them this number right here. Like, man, I hate coming to church because I got bruises all right here because my wife is just elbowing me all the time. You see, we, are, we always think it's for somebody else. And we never consider that maybe this is for us. We get so prideful and think, I already know these things. This is for someone else. When in fact, the Spirit of God is trying to knock on the door of our heart. If our mind immediately goes to someone else, we need to stop ourselves right now and go, God, what are you trying to tell me today? What is your Holy Spirit trying to tell me today? Because it's not something that I can change in other people's lives. 
See, the Bible says that out of the heart flow all of the issues of life. Out of the heart flow all of the issues of life. We get so busy trying to change behaviors because we think that if we change behaviors that we can change the heart. We work from the outside in. God has a different method. He goes straight for the heart and then the behaviors begin to change. A lot of times people try to use methods of manipulation in order to create the behaviors that they want. They try to manipulate their spouses. They try to manipulate people at work. They try to manipulate their children. They try to control behavior in order to get the responses that they want. And a lot of times when we are trying to put ourselves in that driver's seat, we will use harmful methods to try to get other people to do what we want them to do. We yell, because yelling works. We yell at our spouse, we yell at our children, because we think that yelling will produce the behavior that we want, because we want the behavior to change. So we think that if we get louder and louder, that that's going to work. And all we do is just end up either shaming the person, making them feel angry and resentful towards us, or we end up making them afraid of us. And so... Children grow up feeling like they're not good enough or they feel like they're going to show their parents otherwise and they become resentful and bitter and angry towards them or they become distant between them because someone's trying to use inappropriate methods to try to control behavior. We do the same thing in our marriage relationships. We will try to guilt the other person into doing what we want them to do. I'm going to out myself here for a minute and tell you one of the things I'm guilty of. And I know that no one else in the room does this, so I'm the only one, and this is for me, and I'm going to spend adequate time repenting. But we make lists and we compare. Well, this is what I do. You don't do what I do. Look at my list of importance and responsibilities, and you mean you can't do these few things? Are you kidding me? We begin to make ourselves feel like we're better than the other person. You know that the reason that oftentimes we won't serve one another is because we think we're better than the, the person we won't serve. The people in your life that you will not serve are the people you think that you're better than. Oh, snap. It's true. Think about it. The people that you won't serve are the people you think you're better than. We'll make lists, comparing ourselves creating strife. We'll hold on to unforgiveness and hurt and shame. We'll try to create the behaviors and the results that we want by these sinful methods that are just driving wedges between us when God says that it's love that's going to unify us and God is trying to help us to grow in righteous relationships. And if the Spirit of God is living on the inside of me, then that means that His love is there, but I need to allow His love to take the throne of my heart and navigate the way that I act and react to situations instead of me trying to control someone. Because guess what? If I show someone God's love, they're going to experience the love of God. The only thing that can change your heart is the love of God. That's it. You can try really hard to do really good, and it'll last for a little while. But if your heart's not in it and your heart hasn't changed, it's only going to last a little while. Diet companies know this. That's why for three easy payments of $19.95 that you're going to be able to get our miracle solution. 
oh wait, we just cut off one payment if you call in the next 30 minutes and you mention this promo code. I said, no. We think there's always an easy way. We're always looking for a quick answer to try to get the results that we want. When it's not a behavior issue, it's a heart issue. Out of the heart flow the issues of life. What I truly desire to do. And if I allow the Spirit of God to take prominence in my life, then His love is going to be navigating my relationships because it will be navigating the way I think, the way I feel, and the things I desire to do, especially concerning in the area of relationship because God loves others more than you do. Oh, let me say that again. I said God loves others more than you do. God loves your wife more than you do. God loves your husband more than you do. God loves your mother or father more than you do. God loves your children more than you do. That just made somebody a little mad when I said that. But it's true. God loves your children more than you do. You know that? You want to know why? Because his love is perfect. Would you agree? Amen? Amen? I know the Packers lost in their preseason game, but it's okay, you guys, we can still talk. I mean, if we need to have a group hug after the service, it's cool. I mean, it's all good. It's going to get better. Jordy, we're praying for him. I mean, it's going to be okay. But here's the thing, guys. God loves other people more than you do because his love is perfect. And the thing that we need to understand about real love is that his love is different than our conditional love. Our love is often met with this condition of if. I'll keep giving you if. I'll keep doing for you if. I will serve you if. Everything has an if attached to it, but God's love doesn't have an if attached to it because it's an unconditional love. Now, in the New Testament, we know that the majority of that is written in Greek. And so, a lot of words in Greek, there can be different Greek words, but we translate them into the same English word. And it's the same thing true with the word love. When you see the word love in the New Testament, it could mean a lot of different things depending on the context. So, let's look at this word in the Greek, love, and let's see what that word means. The God kind of love is agape love. Maybe you've heard that word before. Have you heard that word before? Agape, anybody? A few of you have heard that word before. Agape love. That's God's love. The unconditional love. It means an altruistic exercise of the will. It's a choice of acceptance. In other words, he chooses to accept us. That is love. Now, phileo is another kind of love. It's a brotherly love or a feeling of friendship. That's where we get the English word for the city, Philadelphia. We call Philadelphia the city of what? Brotherly love, right? Because that's what that word in the Greek means. Phileo is that brotherly love, like a friendship, like I love you, you're my friend. The storhe love is a family affection, like I love my group of friends, or I love my family, or I love my church family. When you would use that context, it would mean that word there. And then the last use of the word love in the Greek is the word eros. You'll notice that sounds very similar to maybe the word that would be used like erotic, erotica, because that is a sexual or physical love, and that's what that means in the Greek. Now, I want you to look at these four different versions of the word love and notice something. Agape, or the God kind of love, the unconditional love of God, is an exercise of the will not an exercise of how God feels. 
This is the only kind of love out of all four of those that has nothing to do with emotions. Agape love is not contingent upon how God feels, upon how you feel, upon how I feel. Now, if God is love and His Spirit, His very nature, His DNA is love, and the Spirit of God is living on the inside of me, then that means that I have the ability through God to love other people like God loves them. That I can choose to do what God would have me do in a situation that would be precarious. Maybe someone offends me, someone does me wrong, and I'm really upset about it. The world has a way of responding. Those who are in darkness has a way of responding. And when people respond the way the world responds, nobody checks up. Nobody's scratching their head. Nobody's wondering what's going on because it's expected. Somebody does you wrong, you go after them. We want to see this dude fail. We want to rejoice in somebody's suffering and say, see, I told you so. We want to point fingers and we want to gossip and we want to begin to create division and cause strife. The world does that. That's what darkness does. Nobody thinks that's weird. Nobody thinks that that's different because everyone's used to that type of response. But when agape love steps into the relationship and does something out of the ordinary that God would do, the world goes, what was that? The world's left scratching their heads because they're not used to that kind of love. Because someone has done something selfless for someone who has offended them or caused them pain or caused them grief. All of a sudden the world's going, whoa, wait a minute. You see the light gets a little bit brighter. The light begins to pierce the darkness just a little bit more. Because someone is exercising the will of God through their life, allowing themselves to be a vessel, even though it may hurt, oh, even though it's not easy, even though it may be difficult. We still choose to do what God would have us do because we're more interested in His glory than we are being right. Well, hello, somebody. When we're more interested in us being right than we are showing the glory of God, all of a sudden we've just made it all about us and not about Him. If the goal is for me to be proven right in the end so everyone can see, oh, well, I guess He was right after all then we're making it about us and we're thinking of ourselves higher than we should when Jesus said we're called to serve. You know, it's not about me being right. It's about God being glorified. So how can God be glorified even in a situation where I may have been hurt, offended, wronged? Someone may be spreading lies, gossip, rumors. Someone may be trying to intentionally uh, uh, cause distress in my life or sabotage. God, I want your agape love to navigate the way I react and respond to people in situations. I want your agape love, the love that chooses unconditionally to do the right thing in that moment. And go, God, what would you have me do? What would agape love do? What would God do in that? Because my emotions, whoo, if I let my emotions run this show, whoo, 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 right? We're going to be in trouble if we let our emotions run the show, aren't we? Because our emotions are messed up, man. Because they're driven by our flesh. That's why he said in Galatians chapter 5, walk not after the flesh, but walk after the Spirit. If you walk after the flesh, you're going to just keep feeding that monster and it's going to keep getting more and more angry, more and more afraid, more and more bitter. Next thing you know, you're going to be rejoicing when somebody, uh, when their life begins to crumble or, or, or when they begin to struggle with something. See, ha! Told you so! Surprised God hadn't got them with lightning earlier. Because I'm good and they're bad. 
And that's what we think. And we miss the whole point that without Jesus in our lives, we're hopeless. We miss the point that if we don't have Christ, nothing we could do could save us. And we all of a sudden begin to think we're better than someone else and we miss the point of grace and we think it's all about us. But to whom much is given, much is required. Amen? That means that I, if I'm to navigate relationships in a God-honoring way, I need to do it in a way that I realize I too am a recipient of grace. That reconciliation and restoration of someone who's fallen into sin should be the goal, not me being proven right in the end. But the glory going to God. Amen, somebody. Agape love's the only one that doesn't involve emotions because it's perfect. It's the one that allows the fruit of the Spirit to show through my life. Because when the love of God is overflowing from my spirit into my soul, then I act out of love in my body. Spirit, soul, body. Spirit, soul, body. The Spirit of God, a new life, a new DNA on the inside of me at work in my heart. So that means that I need to act above emotions to have righteous relationships. That means I need to act above my emotions to have righteous relationships. Amen, somebody? I need to act above those things because my emotions will want to run the show. My emotions will want to try to drive the ship. Matter of fact, our world thinks that emotions make up everything in our life and that they should be at the helm of our lives. I mean, my goodness, even Pixar has a movie about how emotions are steering our lives. That should not be the case. The Spirit of God needs to be steering my life. Amen? Amen. Not my emotions. Because guess what? Sometimes I wake up on the wrong side of the bed. How come nobody ever wakes up on the right side of the bed? Do we even know what side that is? No one says, oh, you're in a great mood today. Looks like you woke up on the right side of the bed. Nobody ever says that. They always say, looks like you woke up on the wrong side of the bed. I mean, I would assume the right side of the bed is the one that's closest for me to get off and get out of the bed. But I don't know. Maybe the right side of the bed is the one that's more adventurous. It takes a little bit more time. Maybe you have to crawl over someone. I, I mean, maybe that's the right side of the bed. No one ever says they woke up on the right side of the bed. Everybody always says, he woke up on the wrong side of the bed, right? That's what we always say. Man, we need to act above our emotions and not allow our emotions to dictate our day or allow our emotions to dictate how we treat one another. Because, man, sometimes I wake up and I, I'm a stinker. I am. I'm talking about me, your pastor. My wife will tell you, sometimes my husband, he can be a jerk. I can. I have that ability. (laughs) I'm not perfect. I'm far from it. Sometimes I wake up on the wrong side of the bed. But I have to make a decision. Am I going to allow the stresses of life, the circumstances and the situations of life, dictate my emotions? Or am I going to allow the Spirit of God... And the love of God to dictate and navigate how I treat other people. Because my wife does not deserve my bad day. Oh, I'm sorry. Let me say that again. Maybe some of you were not listening. Said my wife does not deserve the result of my bad day. Amen? 
She deserves agape love, unconditional love. Because you want to know how many days are going to go absolutely perfect and everything's going to go your way? Man, the kids are behaving perfectly. They're cleaning one another's rooms. It's fantastic. All their chores are done. The boss high-fived you and gave you a raise when you came in, asked if you wanted to switch offices with him. He was like, you want to swap offices, buddy? Yeah, you win the lottery, and then it's sunny with a high of 75, and you got the wind blowing through your hair, a cool breeze off of Lake Michigan. Everything's going great. The lawn is mowed. The house is clean. The bills are paid. Everyone is just being so happy and kind. That day is not going to happen. It's a fantasy. And if we think that that is the criteria for us to treat someone right, then we're wrong. Stuff happens. Stuff happens where it doesn't go your way. People are going to act and react to situations poorly. And you're going to have to deal with them. Your children are going to get a bad grade. Someone is going to be late for something. The coach may single out your child or may overlook them. You may get talked down to at work by a coworker or a superior. What's going to happen when those things come about in your life? Are your emotions going to run the show? Because we as people of God who are called to be a light in the darkness, we're supposed to act above our emotions and allow the Spirit to lead us, not the flesh. Amen? Because your emotions do not give you an excuse for making wrong decisions. How many times have we allowed our emotions to try to excuse our wrong decisions? I spent too much money on that credit card I shouldn't have spent. I just needed something to pick me up and make me feel better. Oh, that'll do it, he sarcastically says. Oh, I, I didn't mean to yell at you. My emotions took over. I was just so angry and my emotions took control. Oh, I didn't mean to do this or do that. My emotions ran the show. For some reason, we think that if we were angry in that moment, that yelling is okay. <laughs> For some reason, we think that if our emotions are, are dictating uh, how we're feeling that day, that making bad decisions is okay. And it's not. The Spirit of God in us needs to be at the forefront of our lives. Amen? Because it's spirit, soul, and body. My mind needs to be renewed. My emotions need to be in check with the Word of God. My will needs to be not mine, but His. Amen? You see, to love like God loves, I need to remind myself of the gospel. I need to remind myself of the price that He paid for me. You remember the great theologian and reformer Martin Luther, he said that I need to remind myself of the gospel every day because I have a tendency to forget it every day because stuff happens, right? Stuff happens. It's tough. How am I going to respond? In that moment, I need to go, wait a minute. I need to remind myself of the fact that while I was yet a sinner, Christ died for me. Christ didn't wait till I was perfect and got all my stuff together and I was just acting just like a perfect little saint. And then he said, okay, time to die for you because now you're worthy of it. No, he said, when you were at your worst, I chose to agape love you. When we're at our worst, we need to remind ourselves that he chose us. When we want to treat other people poorly or when other people treat us poorly, we need to remember 
that agape loved us first. Amen? Amen. Unconditional agape love chose us first. And if I remind myself of that, and I remember the responsibility now that I am to be a conduit of the love of God, to be a representative of Christ, to be an ambassador for Christ, to be a light in the darkness, then it will change the way that I navigate relationships. Now, that doesn't mean you just let people run over you. That doesn't mean that there aren't times where you have to set healthy boundaries because there are times in our lives where we need to make sure we set healthy boundaries because just because I forgive someone doesn't mean that I need to go be best friends with them. Hello, somebody. Just because I am releasing them from the wrong that they've caused me doesn't mean that we're just going to go be buddy buddies and hold hands and skip through flowers and fields of daisies and all that good stuff, right? With bunnies and deer frolicking behind. That's not what that means. It means that I'm forgiving them, not holding that in my heart, but yet at the same time, I'm having to be wise. The Bible says to be as gentle as a dove, but to be as wise as a serpent. We still need to use wisdom, amen? Amen. If someone is physically abusing you, that's not something that you have to endure because you're trying to love them and show them grace. Amen, somebody. I thought that would have been a little stronger, but that's okay. You don't have to endure physical abuse. Amen? Amen. You're worth more than that. God loves you. And you can still forgive that person for the abuse, but you don't have to stay and submit yourself to physical abuse. I want you to understand that. I I knew there was a time in my life where um, when my dad was first kind of outed or discovered that he had been abusing prescription medicine and had been getting into drugs and things like that, there was a time that I had to set boundaries with my own father and say, Dad, you can't come around your grandkids. That's hard. That's tough. But do I forgive him? Yes. You understand what I'm saying this morning? But are you going to babysit my kids? No, you're not. I can't let you come around because I don't know if you're going to be messed up or not. We have parameters. We have boundaries. you've, You've abused that too many times. I have to be smart. I have to protect my children. But that doesn't mean I don't love you. doesn't mean I don't forgive you. But there are certain things that I have to protect my children from. I have to use wisdom to make sure I navigate those relationships. Because God is doing a work in his life. And thank God he's submitted himself to a recovery program. And he's doing well. And he's excelling in that. And living at a ranch uh, in Arkansas. And I thank God for that. And we've talked, and and, and God's begun to bring reconciliation there. But there was always forgiveness there. Was there times where I was angry? Yeah. There are times where I wanted, you know, bad things to happen in his life, so he would hurt like I hurt? Yeah. I wanted him to hurt, because he hurt me. And hurting people hurt people, right? And I was hurting, and I wanted to see him hurt. But I had to realize that's not right. For me to be a light in the darkness, for me to show forth the character and the love of God, I need to have an unconditional love that goes, you know what, I have to set these boundaries, but I'm going to forgive you. I'm going to love you right where you're at. And now God has begun to open the door to restore that relationship. And God can do that over periods of time. God can break down those things, but I'm not going to let hardness build up in my heart and navigate my life. Amen? Amen? We can't do that. Life is too short, and we're called to bring glory to God. And so we have to show forth that character and love of God. So to love like God loves, I need to remind myself of the gospel. I need to remind myself of the price that he paid for me. I need to fill myself every morning with a reminder of God's love. So whatever that means for you, I would encourage you every morning to 
somehow fill yourself with a reminder of God's love and ask God to allow that love to navigate your day. When you wake up, be the perfect time to do it before anything has had the opportunity to mess you up except that stupid alarm. (laughs) Don't go check Facebook. Don't go check your emails. Don't go check your text messages. Don't check that voicemail as soon as you wake up because that could be the thing that sets you off. I'm just trying to give you a little practical advice here. Before you do anything else, make sure that you do something in that morning to fill yourself up with that love of God and remind yourself of that love. It will better equip you and better prepare you to deal with those things in the world. Amen? Because then I'm going to react out of the fact that I just freshly reminded myself of God's love for me. And if I have a fresh reminder of His love for me, then if I get on Facebook after I've woken up and spent time with the Lord or done whatever I needed to do, prayed, read, whatever I did to remind myself of the love of God, when I check Facebook and I see that oh, so-and-so's at it again, you know who I'm talking about. <laughs> Every one of you got a so-and-so on your Facebook. And you're like, oh, they're at it again. Oh, look at them. Mm, I'm going to send a private message to my friends. You see they're at it again. Who wants to start their morning off with that crap? <laughs> it's the truth. Who wants to start their morning off like that? But people do it all the time. People do it all the time. And it ruins your day and you give place to the devil and you need to stop. If you're starting off your morning with negativity, if you're starting your morning off with a bunch of gossip, if you're starting your morning off with spreading strife and division, you are setting yourself up to be a puppet for the enemy. I'm telling you, folks, I just got my preach on, took my glasses off and everything. And I'm preaching better than y'all are amen, but that's okay. I don't preach for you to amen. I preach so you can get the truth in your heart. Start your morning off with God and reminding yourself of His love because stuff is going to come your way instead of falling into that same old trap that's going to ruin your day, keep you depressed, keep you feeling sorry for yourself, keep you angry at that person. If you're on a hunt on social media for that person to say or do something stupid that you can share with your friends, you are wrong. Stop. Stop doing it because you're hurting yourself and you're only doing what darkness does. You're feeding into the flesh instead of following the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God on the inside of me says, how can I walk in unconditional love? Not how can I stir up the same old junk and rekindle the, 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 the fire of that anger this morning. Some people wake up mad. If that's you, isn't that old? Some people wake up worried. Because the first thing they want to check is the stock market when they wake up. To know how their nest egg is doing. And then they see that China's going through something and they freak out and their day's shot. And then they're going to treat everybody else bad. Zig Ziglar says it like this, who kicked your cat? If you've ever heard Zig Ziglar speak, you'll know the story I'm talking about. Said somebody's kicking somebody else's cat, but who kicked your cat? Who ruined your day? What did you allow? You see, if I start my day off by feeding my spirit and allowing that love of God and that reminder of God's love to swell up in my heart, then things may come my way. Doesn't mean that it's not going to affect me, but the way I respond is differently than I would have. 
Because there is an enemy that is arrayed against us. An enemy that would love to see you fall. An enemy that would love to see you live the rest of your life in fear. An enemy that would love to see you live the rest of your life selflessly, selfishly pleasing yourself, doing what you want to do, exalting your mind, will, and emotions above the word and the will of God. And God says, listen, we need to act above our emotions. We need to act above the way we think, the way we feel about things, and say, God, help me to start my day off in a way that's going to honor you and glorify you. You might have to fight for that time. You might have to set your alarm a little earlier than normal. You might have to go and get away. You might have to put the phone down instead of jump on it first thing in the morning because you're curious to what so-and-so is doing. But righteous relationships are going to be a light in the darkness because it's the love of God in action, and I need to fill myself with that love every morning if that love's going to be in action throughout my life. Amen? Because there's going to be stuff happen, folks. And I need to make sure that I do my part to say, God, I give this day to you. Help me to walk in love. Help me to walk in forgiveness. Lord, remind me of how much you've forgiven me. Because, man, when I get reminded of what God's done for me, it overwhelms me and it makes me want to do the same for others. Because it's His Spirit in my life that's navigating how I think. It's His Spirit in my life navigating how I feel. His Spirit of my life navigating what I desire because it's His love that's in charge. Amen? Amen. Jesus prayed the perfect prayer. He said, let your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What else did that prayer consist of? Forgive me of my trespasses as I forgive those who trespassed against me. I think there's a reason that's in that prayer. Amen? Because that's how he wants us to live our lives. Reminding ourselves of, yeah, I want forgiveness, but I need to remember, wow, I need to forgive those who have trespassed against me because you've forgiven me much. Yeah, but you don't understand, Pastor, what that person did to me. You don't understand how deep the wound was. Jesus does. And Jesus knows that your sin, rebellion, and rejection was no worse or no greater. We want to classify it as humans because it makes us feel better about ourselves. God says, it's all rejection and rebellion to me. And I paid for all of it by sending my son Jesus to die on the cross for you. Now, will you accept that love and extend that love to other people? I want to read you one more passage of scripture and then we'll be done this morning. I hope this has helped you today, challenged you. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the Apostle Paul writing to the church in Corinth, and he's talking to them about gifts of the Holy Spirit in verses 12, 13, and 14. But 13 is most notably called the love chapter. But in the proper context, which is very important for us to understand, the church in Corinth was very zealous for spiritual gifts. It was a church of people that was trying to out-spiritual one another. Okay? I know churches like that don't exist today. But um, (laughs) I know Christians certainly don't do that. But the church of Corinth was who could pray the loudest, who could be the most spiritual, who could pray in tongues the loudest, who could do the most, who could have the best word from God. Everybody's just trampling over one another with their spiritual gifts. And Paul says, listen, I know you're zealous for spiritual gifts. That's a good thing. He said, I'm not against that. He said, I want you to be zealous for those things. He said, but you need to remember what the core of that is. And then Paul goes on in 14 to talk about how they should do these things decently and in order. But in between 12 and 14, he interjects the core or the basis or the reason or the motive 
for exercising spiritual gifts. And he said it's got to be love. That's why he said in verse 1, he said, if I speak with tongues of men and angels and I don't have love, he said, I'm like a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. He said, if I have the gift of prophecy and I understand all the mysteries and knowledge that I have all faith, he said, I could move mountains with my faith. He said, if I have love, it's nothing. He said, and even if I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and I'm very benevolent, if I give my body to be burned, if, I, if I'm a martyr for, for the cause of Christ, but I don't have love, guess what? It profits me nothing because verse 4 says, this is what love does. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. It's not puffed up. It doesn't behave rudely. It doesn't seek its own will. It's not provoked. It doesn't think evil. It doesn't rejoice in iniquity, but it rejoices in truth. It bears all things and it believes all things. It hopes all things and it endures all things. It said love never fails, verse 8. But where there are prophecies, those things are going to fail. Where there are tongues, those things are going to cease. Where there's knowledge, those things are going to pass away. One day there's not going to be a need for those things. But guess what? He said love is never going to pass away. Love is going to endure. Love is going to always be there. Amen? Amen. See, so the very nature of God, love at work in my heart, is going to influence my mind, my will, and my emotions to help me have righteous relationships that are being a light in the darkness. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit wogcc.com.